So the time in the military, and you, you talked about the TBIs and how I, I say connected to self. I would say that there was always this underlining voice saying, just hold on, just hold on. This is, this is the way of the warrior. And at the end of this experience, there is going to be a path laid out for you. And I, I just always knew that. Um, and I knew that since I was a kid, to be honest, um, that there was a greater purpose in the form of spirit that was meant for me. Hey everyone, my name is Sarah and welcome to Her Ascension Story, the podcast that proves the world is transformed by every hero's personal adventure. Here we talk about the real and the raw things that we should all be talking about more. So if you want to be a part of the movement of getting real about the deeper, more meaningful things about life, be sure to subscribe and follow and get ready to get real. My hope is that this platform inspires you to explore and expand new empowering beliefs about yourself so you can make your own impassionate impact too. And those three pillars, inspiration, independence, and impact, aren't just the premise for this podcast, but for my work too. If you want to check out that more, be sure to go to HerAscensionStory.com or check me out on social media at HerAscensionStory. Welcome back, everyone. Today with me, I have Micah Norgard, who is a Marine combat veteran, yoga teacher, energy mentor, and fellow podcaster. And I've been following him for about the last year. I met him, quote unquote, met him um, through a Mala Mantra, Mala Mantra meditation challenge on Instagram. And ever since then, I have been inspired to go deeper with my own meditation practice. So I think this is going to be a juicy juicy episode and thank you so much Micah for being here with us. Thank you Sarah for this opportunity. Uh, like I said I really love the work that you do especially with yoga and meditation and you practice um, and teach nidra is that how you pronounce it nidra yoga? That's correct it's a uh, yoga nidra which is and then if you don't know I just like to call it divine sleep and it's just a way of practicing this way to go within and get in touch with that inner teacher. Oh, that's amazing. I think that's the biggest theme, too, um, from your work that I've gotten is going within and finding your own teacher and all of the power and wisdom and everything else that you need inside. Were you always um, on this path of mindfulness and meditation and awareness? Or how did you get to be where you are now? You know, a, a part of me wants to say no, but Actually, during this time of quarantine, I've I've had a time to um, for a chance to really go deep. Like there's no there's no excuse. There's always times to meditate now. Right. And so by going really deep and looking at my past, I've, I've already really realized that whether you go on a path of physical exploration, mental exploration or spiritual exploration, there's usually one that you, you tend to, and you dabble maybe in the others, but I've always been a very spiritual explorer and this showed up um, in me exploring all the different religions. Um, what I didn't realize what I was really looking for was this discover of self and all of it. You know, I felt I was always looking to relate and that's where the yoga came in and that's mindfulness practice and really trusting yourself for once instead of trusting the external. So yeah, that is a big theme of really just trusting yourself 
finding your inner peace and just listening to your inner teacher, whether, and the inner teacher can be many different things. (laughs) Oh, wow. So if we can go back to your military experience, how did you get to tap into your inner teacher and kind of stay in yourself throughout all of your combat experience? And before we started recording, um, you mentioned your traumatic brain injuries and everything like that. Could you kind of expand more on how you were able to stay self-aware and connected to yourself through all of that? So I would, I would say that I was not self-aware, to be honest. Not when I was in the, I would, there was a part of me that was always there that was, I would say that was taking the back seat. And I've, I've said this many times and I've explained this to many different people is through my life growing from the age of seven up until recent, real, really, or honestly, recently, um, until I started practicing yoga, my life had been determined by trauma, fear, and anxiety. Um, And that's how I was living that entire time. Um, That was a very long term of also just depression. Um, And my time in the military, although I learned great skills and my intuition was actually, um, I would say, was really nurtured during that time because intuition is what really kept me alive, alive in the battlefield. Um, so my, my biggest teacher at that time was intuition, but it was also hidden behind so many things. So the time in the military, and you, you talked about the TBIs and how I, I stayed connected to self. I would say that there was always this underlining voice saying, just hold on, just hold on. This is is the way of the warrior. And at the end of this experience, there is going to be a path laid out for you. And I I just always knew that. Um, And I knew that since I was a kid, to be honest, Um, that there was a greater purpose in the form of spirit that was meant for me. Wow. Just powerful. Yeah. It's just like someone that when they grow up, they know they want to be a doctor and then they just do it and manifest it. I just think that everything that I've ever done in my life from the time of being a physical therapist technician to being um, in the military and experiencing all these homophobic fears and realizing that now I can use this as a way to help others that have experienced this heal and also find, we say inner teacher, but I also might say that divinity within us, that spirit within us, that some of us have really lost connection. And when you go to combat, especially, um, and you come back and you start doing this deep work, you come to realize that you also have moral injuries upon those TBIs and those combat wounds and just the traumatic event of uprooting your life and going over there. So to get back to you, I didn't really find my inner teacher until I started to practice yoga. I, I, I'd always lived off of emotions, whether it be raw love, raw fear, raw intuition. It was just always raw. Wow. So coming out of such a traumatic environment, how or what called you to begin your yoga journey and to become a teacher and everything? 
Because well, it seems like going from like the military, like the rigid um, conditioning and structure to something so much more expansive as yoga, it seems like there's a big contrast there. There is. And there is a definitely big contrast. And I really love when I get to step in front of a class, right? And every so often, I just throw that out there. I'm like, hi, my name's Micah. I used to be a Marine for 12 years, infantry. And they all just look at me because I'm like this, um, you know, queer, paganish, whimsical, sometimes serious dad joke dropping yogi practitioner <laughs> and they're just like and then they just look at me they're like no that that was not you and I'm like no that was me and what I and what I'm really starting to realize is I, I, I realize that there's a lot of veterans out there that are in this spot where they get out of the Marine or they get out of service I'll just say sorry I say Marine Corps because that's where I served but when you get out of service you feel so lost you all that structure all that camaraderie all of that just everything down to what you wear in your uniform how you address the senior staff you know just everything is laid out to you in structure and even your fitness sometimes even what you eat is taken care of you know mm -hmm. so you get out and then you just feel this you know, and if you, you know, are like me, you are dealing with these homophobic attacks, you're dealing with these traumatic brain injuries, you're dealing with just moral injuries after discovering. And what really happened for me is I went on a really bad downward spiral. And I don't, I don't talk a lot about this in my story a lot, but I got out in, let's see, 2013, and from 2009 to 2013, I was at the downward spiral of my, my career. Nothing was going wrong in the career. I just knew I needed to get out because of just my mental health was depleted, right? I, again, I go back to that disassociation from self. And so I finally, at the, in the year of 2013, I decided to get out. And getting out of the Marine Corps, getting out of that toxic environment um, was the biggest step into my healing, right? Because yeah. I, I was always living in fear. I was always living in fear of someone. Even my last two years, don't ask, don't tell, was repealed. And, you know, I just look back at my time. I was such a little activist at the time, like, being a bartender, hosting gay nights at gay bars and being like active duty night, come on in, you drink for free and all this kind of stuff. I was a little rebel back then. Like, <laughs> you know, like trying to do everything we could to get don't ask, don't tell repealed, right? We had a don't ask, don't tell repeal night um, at a mm -hmm. Nelly's bar. Oh, But um, yeah, I just, I look back at that time. I was just always living in fear of being found out, being able, then I would lose my career. And then I guess you would say I had at the end of my career, a little bit of an awakening where I was like, wait, if they don't want me here, what am I doing here? When I can be doing something that is more freeing, more liberating. And so I got out and I just got out. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea. And so, and this is what I was talking about before where you get lost, right? You almost get lost in the system. Like, they train us for 12 years 
and then you get two weeks to get out of the military. You're like, wow. okay, um, thanks. Have a nice, okay, what do I do now? And you're really left to nothing. And I love my family, but we're, we're, we're kind of like gypsies and we're all over the place. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, my mom lives in Germany, so I, I don't have a very close network. So I started to really rely on the only community that I knew at the time and that was the queer community. And it's nothing against the queer community. And this is through some really deep work on myself, realizing that this was my fault, is that because I didn't know who I was due to all that time hiding in the military, all that time as a kid, just taking care of myself and not giving a chance to develop who I was, I really did not know who I was at the age of 30 years old. Wow. Never, you know, never, because all I knew was Marine Corps, Marine Corps Micah and ch uh, Iowa child Micah trying to survive, right? That's all I knew. And so here I was for the first time. I was like, okay, so I applied for a job. I get a job. Okay, I get a job as an admin at a place that helps people with mental health get trained and all this other stuff. So I'm working at this nonprofit, doing my life. And it's my first time as a civilian. And I just, I just say, I'm going to break all the rules and I just party. <laughs> and no, I mean, and I, I go through self-exploration of love and partners and doing, I'm not going to say all the wrong things, all the right things. I, I'm just exploring life at this time and what I would look back and probably say not the most healthy ways. Um, but I didn't know how to act. I, w I honestly felt like an adult baby because for the first time I was not responsible for people's lives hmm. because I was always responsible for my life. And then when I got in the Marine Corps, I was responsible for people's lives like every single day as we carried weapons of death you know? <laughs> um, so here I am, you know, and then I would say, and it was through exploration, um, going to EDM shows and experimenting that I was able to get through some really deep negative stuff. And it was just community. At the end of it, all I know that what I needed was the thing that I've always searched for to heal. And that was community, right? And I thought the Marine Corps was going to be the community for me. I thought um, EDM was going to be the yoga community for me. I thought it was all these other different things. And then what happened was this deep, deep depression at the end of that five years after the Marine Corps. It was about five years. And I went into a really deep depression and during those last two years, there was a couple suicide attempts. There were um, lots of alcohol, drugs, you name it, just a downward spiral that was just leading to what was going to be the third attempt. And I tell it because I've told this story so many times. It was September 17th, 2017. I was sitting in the same house I'm sitting in right now. Um, on the couch and I was contemplating the third time 
And that intuition that I told you that I kind of always knew that I could listen to that never steered me wrong. Um, it was the same one that was telling me to get out of the Marine Corps. It was the same one that was telling me to um, I'll, just an inner teacher. I didn't know it was an inner teacher at that time, right? It was just like, oh, that's the good one. That one that tells me to do the right thing, right? <laughs> um, so it came to me in that way of like, you know, if you do this third attempt, that's it. Third strike, you're out. Wow. And that's exactly how it was just presented to me. And I remember just literally, and people are like, why do you love Instagram so much? I'm like, because you know what? Two things saved my life, Instagram and yoga, to be honest. And people are like, really? I'm like, I was sitting on my couch scrolling through Instagram. And the way that I look back at this was I was looking at link analysis and patterns, basically a, a trade that they taught me as an infantryman and intelligence to look to, you know, find the patterns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just started to look at a couple of my friends that I had started to notice through Instagram. And I noticed that they were posting beautiful things like in the captions with beautiful yoga poses. And I was like, huh. And I always knew yoga was like this body thing, but it was also there was something more to it that could be like, like mind, body and spirit, because you heard it all the time. And I was like, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Not that I'm going to I'm not gonna do this yoga thing. That's not for dudes. Dudes don't do that. Right. That's literally what I thought. And (laughs) so I laughed because I like, look, I just realized how much ego was in that. (laughs) <laughs> that conversation. Um, so I was scrolling through Instagram and I just started to notice these happiness, this just happiness and joy, but not just happiness, rawness, truthfulness, mm-hmm. and authenticity. People with real struggles and then saying, hey, this is how I've, this is how I've gotten over it. Like people sharing their stories, right? Um, like what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, um And then because I had literally shut myself out from everyone, right? Which I am still actually recovering still from now that shut out that I did to everyone. Like everyone, I hurt a lot of people by just going by and like literally just becoming a shut in. Um, And so I was actually afraid to even go out. (laughs) So I actually got on and ordered from a delivery service, uh, a yoga mat to be delivered the same day. Um, And I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to try it. I'm like, whatever, I'll try it. So I got on Google and I think I've told this story a hundred times. I searched how to do yoga and yoga with Adrian came on oh yes (laughs) so I I, for the life of me I cannot remember what the first practice was but I was like it was like 22 minutes and I was like oh that felt good (laughs) I literally I literally remember after the mini shavasana I was like I literally going oh that was good (laughs) I was like okay so then I was like in the true Micah fashion with his addictive personality decided to go all right, well, I'll do her 30 day challenge. And it was her uh, 30 day revolution challenge. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I did it. And at the end of it, I was like, oh, crap, 
am I addicted or is this actually good for me? And after researching and actually talking with um, my therapist, um, she was ecstatic. She was like, yes, you need to do more of this. Continue down this road. This is like the best thing. Um, and then I actually stopped my medication um, shortly after. And which I tell the story, I was on 34 pills a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was it was quite ridiculous. Um, now, I do not want to say that people do not need to take their medications. I was definitely on a unique dosage, let's just say. Um, and I think the VA since that time, remind you, this is a ways back, has definitely um, adapted their practices to be more cautious of over prescribing. So that's really nice. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, first came the practice of yoga. And then after, honestly, it was, it was kind of comical in a way where I just kept on every so often that I would have to step back and just laugh at the situation of how fast the yoga uh, accelerated for me. Um, it became an everyday thing. It came, it became a, it became a way to break through the physical disassociation that had occurred over 30 something 30 something plus years. <laughs> I'm not going to say how, how many, um, 30, <laughs> 30 plus years of just not knowing my body. I like being in the Marine Corps, like they teach you movement, but they don't teach you mind body connection, not in the way that yoga did. Right. So mm -hmm. I had all this physical knowledge, like muscle memory that was just like, like imagine having the best computer in the world and not having a keyboard Wow. Right. So, or like the, the software on the computer was just like bad. <laughs> like you have a brand new MacBook, but you're running like Mac OS one um, wow. is what, is what it, what it kind of felt like. And the more I practiced yoga, it kept on upgrading my system for the physical body. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Hey, your mental state, like your brain fog, especially from TBIs, right? The TBIs, oh. Um, and I still, I'm, don't get me wrong, there's, I have symptoms and there's symptoms that I have come to realize those are non-changeable, right? And that it's okay. But there's a lot of stuff that yoga has taken away. And a lot of that things are like the brain fog, um, the anxiety, um, and many, many other things that comes with TBIs. Um, the, list, the list could go on and on. But so for me, it went mind, or mind went, sorry, mind went body. So I started to unlock the body through the physical practice. And then I got really, really engaged in breathing practices, pranayama and mudras and concentration techniques and meditation techniques. Um, and that really started to unlock my mental body in a way of, um, I'm not trying to get so scientific or so yoga vedic in here. So <laughs> no, go um, for it. <laughs> so so we talk about the koshas and I, I really broke through the physical sheath, right? The first layer. And then I got into the pranic sheath and that's where I did a lot of my healing. That's where we do a lot of our healing is in that 
that second layer or that next layer of the pranamaya kosha. And being deeply within that kosha, um, it's the same thing I feel like when we go into yoga nidras, you know, that we spoke about a little bit. Um, and then through a lot of self-exploration, finding like my ancestral path, which we can talk later if we have time, <laughs> mm -hmm. but really like merging my my uh, family heritage ancestral paths with yoga to help heal myself even deeper, right? So after practicing all these tools, what I started to realize is a deeper connection to, and I'll just go yoga here. Um, and the same thing I just said in my podcast, because it's easy. It's um, the sacred heart, right? And in the sacred heart or the Hodi Padma, um, in the sacred heart, your connection to source will manifest in any which way. In a Christian's heart, it may manifest as Jesus, right? In a pagan's heart, such as mine, it might manifest in a pantheon, right? And that's like a group. And I have a group that involves Krishna. My, my group involves um, uh, wolf or I should say spirit animals. I shouldn't just call out the wolf, but the wolf's the main one. <laughs> um, and as well as um, when we talk about like ancestral stuff, I'm, you asked how to pronounce my name, Norgard. It's definitely Danish and Norse. And uh, I pull, yeah. when I talk about the femininity qualities that, um, you know, that I'm really starting to identify, which we can talk about as a, a full healing circle for me. Um, I, 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 my third on the pantheon is Freya, right? Mm. She, she's a goddess of the Norse pagans, and she really connects you to divine femininity, right? And so that's my pantheon. And through yoga, I found all these ways to accept all that spiritual stuff that I had done in my past, right? Through religion and, you know, reading of mythologies, which were really religions at the time right? Or beliefs at the time of that society, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, and just really incorporating it into a holistic self-care, mental health, physical body, mental body, spiritual body care system. Mm, that is so amazing. And so when did you feel called to start helping others with it, to actually begin teaching and sharing all of your experience and all of your wisdom with other people to help them through theirs. So this is why I laugh at my story sometimes because I like to say I'm an open book and I, I speak with a, a tongue of razor truth. Sometimes <laughs> it was the first day I practiced yoga mm. after that first session. And I sat back and said, well, that I literally felt like I was saying that was something I knew that was something and it was like at that moment it was a death of an ego of releasing and just being like oh this is what you're supposed to be doing this is why because part of the story I don't tell often is yoga had been presented to me numerous 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 times and not just like hey let's go to yoga but like hey I'm just like events that were happening at yoga that I was like, I'm not going to go because of yoga. Mm. 
So when you when you start to see those, you're like, okay, yeah, universe, you're pointing me this way. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And especially after the release of so much tension and in my body, after sitting on the couch for so long, <laughs> being so, de <laughs> so depressed, it was not hard to be so excited about it. And just as the true nature of who I am, as my partner has said, which was very Daring, he's like, Micah, you have always been a teacher, even before you practiced yoga. I was like, oh. oh. So, yeah, um, that's when I first realized. Wow, that's amazing. So what kind of goals or dreams have come to fruition because of your transformation process? Internal, I would, I would, I would guess I would have to speak internally first, because that's where the work had to really start for me. And internally the manifestation so manifesting is real right and it's as simple as uh one of the sutras i love is whenever negative thoughts should arise replace them with good ones right and it's such an easy concept but sometimes we forget because our emotions get in the way and it's like oh then it's just chaos sometimes yeah but when we start to practice yoga sit and breathe and do all the stuff that buffer builds right that you become less reactive and more the witness to everything, both internally and externally. And so when that buffer started to happen, I was able to see the, the natural flow of myself. Right. And you were asking like when the most deepest uh, things happened for me is when I was able to start to fully witness my emotions and stop letting them change things. Because um, I guess you could call me an, an empath or someone who is sensitive to the energies um, internally and externally. And I used to let them rule my life. And now I just treat them as rewards and warnings, right? So when I feel anxiety, fear, or something that is, you might in a duality world say, negative i might say it's a lesson it's saying my fear and anxiety is telling me hey you're supposed to be doing this or you're not supposed to be doing this and then you have to decide right that's that's our free will choice um and good emotions are for rewarding ourselves like when we feel love is because maybe we have felt a connection to another spirit right that's a reward of course Yay, we love feeling connection to another spirit and that's love or whether it's communication like just talking to you i feel connected to you and that's bringing me joy right um so just by being able to control that energy within me and just not let it go chaotic and don't get me wrong there's days where it's a little chaotic and i might have to do a little bit more breathing or maybe get on the mat a little bit more but by really changing my internal honestly changing my internal chemistry by breath movement and stillness and thought concentration and meditation i was able to change my external world by bringing peace to it first because you know like i told you i used to step in front of um my class and tell them hey you know i used to be a marine blah 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 and they laughed and when I tell them, yeah, and before I practice yoga, I used to be this raging, 
angry alcoholic that would just and they, everyone just looks at me and goes no they just can't see it and that's the piece the piece that i and matter we talk about all these other tools like mantra mantra was the biggest one for me and you talked about the the uh the mala challenge that we did lord that seems a lifetime ago <laughs> it really does oh <laughs> uh, it seems such a lifetime ago but um you know i mean just through that experience mantra and especially japa mantra with a mala has meant so much to me and i still do it almost every single day my goal is every single day but i am human have, mm -hmm. or, uh, let me rephrase that. I'm a spirit and a human body <laughs> having a human condition. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> not joking, but you know, spirit nerds will get that. Um, <laughs> but the mala, especially with that mantra, and the first mantra for me was Om Namo Narayanaya. And for me, I like to keep things simple, honoring the practice of it's the mantra is to bow down to Lord Vishnu. But really at the essence of it was peace. And that's mm -hmm. what my whole practice has always ever been about was maintaining my, in, or first finding my peace because <laughs> there was no peace, right? And then finding it, maintaining it, and then allowing it to go so that you can go into the shadows, unravel some, and then find your peace again and learn from it, right? And this is like the constant thing that you should be doing to unravel yourself. And then, you know, but yeah, so I digress. You got me on that energy going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So controlling the emotions and working with your ancestral um, healing and incorporating and embodying and integrate that divine healing, those seem like three major points for you. And if you want, you can totally expand on this. But I usually find that what helps us and what we really work on is usually the work that we get to share and help others with. Do you find that those are three big things that you help other people and your yoga students with too? Yes. And what's, you know, and once again, I'm still all new to this. Um, people think I've been doing this for so long. And maybe that's because of the age, but really I've only been teaching for just about three years. Uh, I'm not even three years. Um, but the energy work, right. And I, I say energy work or energy mentorship, but what that really is, is a, a deep dive into all the tools that I've ever gathered and practiced already to unlock your physical body, unlock the mental body, unlock your spiritual body so that you can sit with yourself and dive deep into yourself. And we do that in many ways, but one of my favorite ways, right? And this is one of the gifts, I guess you could say that I was able to manifest or that was bestowed upon me. Who knows? I think it was bestowed upon me, but it is a part of my ancestral path also, or my, the gifts of the people before me. Um, and that was helping people find the, their animal totems. And what I mean by totems is, mm. is like that pantheon of spirit guides or spirit animals or um, personifications of your personality uh, there's many different ways that you might identify with the energies, but helping individuals to travel in these shamanic 
type sessions um, by using breath to break the veil and just travel deep within certain parts of the body. And certain parts of the body in the shamanic practice are like portals, basically, for energies, emotions, thoughts. Um, and so I, I help guide people through those types of experiences. And really, it's their consciousness that manifests it. It's my voice that just helps guide them. And I love helping people find their totem, whether it be their lower body shadow, upper body light, or their power animal that rests within their heart. You know, we, mm. it's just, it's, it brings me such contentment with my life, which contentment just brings joy. When I know that I have helped someone find their spirit animal, which is a relationship that will last the rest of their life. Like if you find out that your power animal is a wolf, then everywhere and no matter what, the rest of the time you're here on this earth, when you see a wolf, you will think of your heart and you will think of your power animal. And the next time, or if it's an eagle or whatever, right? You will just, it just will remind you, right? And it's, and then you can go deep and look at the divination of those animals. But what actually happens is people have these conversations deeply with themselves and they find out their most deepest truths. And those deepest truths are what actually heal them. I have to completely agree with that. So I'm a Reiki master teacher and my lineage is very much um, shamanic and also Celtic. And so the theme of spirit animals is really strong. And so I always tell my students, you know, we have these seven main spirit animals that are with us. And it, the way that you said it about personifying our personality, that's so good. It's like the lessons that we're here to learn that we get to integrate. They each represent one. And then we have our main power animal. And I'm not sure if that's, you know, like a universal teaching or not. That's what was passed down to me. And that's what I passed down to my students. But um you're so right. And it's so powerful when you actually get to quote unquote, meet them. My experience happened right after my first Reiki attunement. It, I met the first four, I think through the attunement, like I just have a, like I was having all these visions and they were just coming to me. And then throughout the rest of like the three week detox period, the rest came to me and my power animal though, did not come for maybe nine months later. So that was really interesting. But anyhow, so you get to meet these and it's what you said that you're having like a conversation with yourself and it's so healing to actually be able to witness these animals and these energies representing such a big part of you that we sometimes take for granted or we don't fully recognize or stay aware of and like you said, too, when we see these animals out in nature, it's just a complete remembrance and coming home to ourselves just in a single moment. It's amazing. It really is. And once you have your totem, like you said, it's just this live, like for me, even I, I can tell you like how if people like, so what do these spirit animals actually do for you? Well, for, you know, in the shamanic practice, people would call it shape shifting right 
And you think about it, like when you're dancing sometimes and you, you know, you hear it, like the person was wild with animal spirit, right? You move like mm. an animal, right? And this helps us move our bodies. Like, and then I love that you said Celtic practice because in Celtic pagan practices, you know, I practice, I would say the Germanic um, or the green witch, whatever you want to call it, pagan practices, um, but sacred dance, right? And in sacred dance, this is one of the best times to, before, you know, communicating is to move like your animal in whatever way that is and dance was a way to invoke that spirit. And like one of my favorite things to do is honestly, you know, mine being the wolf and I'm allowed to share my spirit animals because that's my, that's my purpose is to help other people connect with their totems. So my wolf gets called in all the time. She's like, oh, hey, I'm here. I'm here to do some work. You know, <laughs> here we go. Um, no, she, she does not speak like that. Um, at all. <laughs> um, but uh, they are these energies that we're able to manifest. And it does. People will be like, oh, yeah, he's definitely more wolf today because that's the, the presence I carry of, of like when I'm in that dance and I'm invoking that energy and that movement that can still come in in a subtle way through our energy, our presence. It's the same way. Like when you walk in a room and you can tell when someone's in a bad mood, just by the way that they're sitting, it's the same way that those animals can show up. So my heart animal being a wolf and my, um, my, I would say if we go back to the duality of either male, female, light, shadow, however you want to identify of how to find balance, my Freya is the serpent and my Krishna is the the feather, the the or the the creature of flight. I it's always different, not always different, mm -hmm. just yeah. Anyways, um, so when you do this, like you said, it's the best conversations with yourself, and then when you're able to help you were asking like when I get to do this with other people to see them fully accept these parts of them. And when they have the conversations, we talk about what happens externally, right? We talk the internally, let's talk about externally. I will only talk, I'll talk about this friend in a very just generic way. So it's not really identifying besides that person knowing, <laughs> um, <laughs> this person was really lost, right? Just like I was just really lost, but had a pretty understanding of themselves. And they went through three different uh, shamanic journey energy sessions with me. And after that had found his totem and then started practicing yoga. And then through the yoga practice, he kept on saying all throughout my yoga practice, and especially during Savasana, it was like my animal totem was just there moving with my body, helping me, assisting me and breathing with me. And then when I sat down in meditation, it's like they sat beside me. I was able to talk with each of them when I needed to. And when I was done, I felt like the most lightest I ever have. And we talk about manifesting externally now. He's on a path, a journey of speed that's undeniable of just shifts and making things happen to where before he was pretty stagnant wow and it was just <sighs> sitting with yourself and having the conversations to reaffirm you of what you want in life of those things you know 
For example, should I move to Colorado? I will ask all my friends what they think. But the person that you really truly need to ask is the part that matters the most, you know, you. So that's what yoga taught. That's the inner teacher. That's the inner teacher that you get to start to listen to and like really tap into. And there's not just one, there might be another and you have to identify which one's intuition, what's one's ego. And ego is so sneaky sometimes. Yes. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so what do you think is a big, what tools or what indicators do you look for when you're trying to decipher if it's ego or intuition? Because like you said, it is so sneaky, so sneaky. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So ego's not bad. All right. But ego does keep us tethered, which is okay. Cause we have to have this experience as an individual person. And then when we get back up there, we get to, you know, like this was our version. Right. And we, get to download and however it works who knows but uh, how to explain this intuition I like to call is your inner cheerleader it is the one that is saying you can do this you got this and usually is also keeping you safe but in a positive way so that might be like fear can come into intuition right? You know, like the hand on a hot stove. I would be afraid to do that because my intuition is saying, you know, that's not good. <laughs> Ego would be like, hey, you know what? Even though that stove is on, I don't think it's on because you can withstand that. No matter what your intuition says, you can withstand that heat. You got this. Put your hand on it. Right? Now, that's a really extreme example. <laughs> but, but it's a good one. <laughs> but so you let's boil that down just like the most simplest thing of like, I, for example, here's one for me, especially where things get really foggy. And that is with going out no actually no this is this is when I push all the time of the physical body and men do this all the time and especially veterans do this all the time um, where we push our bodies past the physical limit because we were trained to do that right push past all limits and keep on going because it's life or death right so mm -hmm. I had to program the ego that was programmed wrong right and I had to program my intuition which was programmed wrong and intuition in those moments of like hey should one scan my body oh my body kind of hurts today because I did a really hard rocket flow yesterday ego would be like oh well you need to do another rocket flow today otherwise you're just going to forget everything and you're going to be the worst yogi in the world Intuition might go, hey, you can rest, but maybe if you have a little bit of energy, maybe you do a restorative practice or a yoga nidra or a yin practice if you feel like you need to move your body. It's going to keep you moving forward, but also teach you how to heal yourself. 
ego is just going to keep on pushing you, pushing you so that you put your hand on the hot stove. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. But no matter what that's you can, but no matter what you can learn from all those lessons, even if you go ego, there's lessons to be learned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's the human experience, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Oh, I wish we could keep talking about all of this stuff, but we have to, I guess, wrap up a little bit. So what do you love most about where you are right now in your life? Oh, I have. So every so often, I think as a yoga teacher, you go through the ebbs and flows of learning, right? You, you know, take in knowledge, put it back out. Right now, I have found a, in, a an amazing thirst for knowledge and self-exploration that I haven't felt in such a long time. And I really, really relate that to the time period that we're in right now of isolation, um, people awakening to the systemic racism and just everything, right? Everyone's just awakening. And in this awakening, the message of acceptance is happening. And not only acceptance of others, but we have to start accepting ourselves, both the lights, the shadows, everything of us. And at this part of my life, I have found a peace that is unbreakable. And it is even I'm affected by emotions still, right? Like, yeah, I'm human. But it's like, oh, I got this. No matter what, I know that I the world can throw anything at me and I know that I will be able to, even if I backslide for a little bit, I know no matter what, that I have a community, but even more that my yoga practice, my tools, my spiritual practice of yoga, everything will sustain me for the rest of my life. And no one can take that away from me. Even if my mobility was taken away from me, as long as I can breathe, I will practice yoga. I will tap into my pranic state, my pranic energy body. And I love bouncing back and forth between the physical world and the pranic world. And that's what happens in yoga and meditation and breathing. You bounce between worlds and it's just beautiful. And that's what I've been doing a lot more lately. That is so beautiful. So beautiful. So I know I've actually done like your YouTube practices, like the meditations that you have on there and all that stuff. But where can people find your work, like the yoga online and the energy mentorship and the podcast and the spirit animal work? Where could people find you if they want to work with you now? Yeah. So, you know, honoring my spirit animal, um, which is very sacred to me. So you can find everything at sacredwolfyoga.com, um, sacredwolfyoga on Instagram. Those, it's all, everywhere else, but if you go to the website, you'll find everything on there. There's an on-demand section, a podcast section. There is a lesson and private session, but due to COVID, um, there, there hasn't been a lot of in-person sessions lately. Mm-hmm. I, now, I have been offering um, just, you know, virtual talk sessions and which helps people just kind of get an idea of how to build their own shamanic practice and 
occasionally offering virtual shamanic sessions, although they are much more powerful in person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I imagine. Oh, man. Okay, so I have one last question. And it's, I personally think it's the most exciting question, because I think it's a good one to be asked, but also for everyone listening to ask themselves too. And the question is, who is the superhero inside of you that has all the power you could ever need? Hmm. Who is the superhero inside me? Yeah, yeah. Who is he? <laughs> Who is oh, it? like, okay. Um, no, this is funny because I, your last question was like, what is the most important thing? So coming to realize, and so I shared all this before is you, you might have heard me kept on saying my wolf, she, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not Native American, indigenous people at all but i'm gonna say i can relate to the two spirit and being that person right in the middle um both identifying as male and female both of the spiritual mm -hmm. nature and physical nature um so my and honoring my ancestors and elders the the superhero that is inside me is known as ava and she's a priestess oh yeah i love that so she's so, the one that wants me to do all the spiritual work and just really wants there to be truth, peace, and love. That's really, and that's my mission. And I do that by support, loyalty, and growth. But yeah, truth, peace, and love. That's what we want. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Oh, thank you so much for coming on here. And I have so much gratitude and honor and appreciation for you sharing your story with all of us. It is it's incredible and so inspiring. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for the opportunity and for everyone else out there. Just keep on unraveling. Go within. It's fun. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that this episode has some way inspired you to take control, given you the tools to feel secure and on fire in your own independence and help to unlock within you the impact that you're here to make. You're not born with a purpose. You're born as your purpose. It's already inside of you, and it's your responsibility in this life to live that in the truest way possible. If you've gotten any sort of value out of this episode, please share it so that we can together expand our inspiration and our impact in this world.